0: To the Porporal's Almanac, this is Andy, and today we're joined by a familiar face from TikTok, the Appalachian Forager. Whitney is a forager from Eastern Kentucky who celebrates the uniqueness of Appalachia culture and contextualizes her relationship with foraging through this lens. We talk about how culture and identity impact why she makes the content she does, the importance of understanding foraging as a part of a bigger relationship, both with nature and our neighbors and what we should all be doing to be better neighbors to both humans and non-humans. I think y'all will enjoy this conversation. Let us know what you think and get links to her work in the show's notes. So Whitney, thanks so much for coming on. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Thanks for having me, buddy. Uh, My name is Whitney, or you might know me as the Appalachian Forager or the Crazy Mushroom Lady. That's what I get in Walmart all the time. So I'm from Eastern Kentucky. I'm a therapist slash forager. Started getting into foraging more so in my college years. I've only really been doing the foraging thing hardcore for about three years now. Started a little TikTok page not quite two years ago, maybe a year and some change. It kind of blew up a little bit. So now I've since started doing the foraging thing full time with my mental health stuff on the side. And yeah, I just love Appalachia like so freaking much and I just aim to be able to share all the goodies that this region has to offer while crushing some stereotypes and hopefully inspiring some people to get outside.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. The Appalachia region is so unique. I, I don't think people that haven't spent much time there fully understand like how wildly diverse and unique the ecosystems are in in the foothills of the mountains in a way that like here where i live in new england the forest has been clear cut three four times at this point it's basically it's bordering on like monocrops like Mm. of like white pines early succession species and um the amount of diversity that i see from folks like yourself posting about like what what's available what's around you and even in what you guys consider like degraded landscapes how much more diverse and available different things are in those ecosystems
1: yeah this this area is rich for sure and a lot of people don't realize just how sprawling Appalachia is like we're talking Georgia to Maine all the way up through there and people don't even know they're in Appalachia you know the Appalachian mountains are old as heck and you know they're they're a lot bigger than people realize and you know you couldn't you probably couldn't pay me to move out of this place. Like, I just, I love it so much.
0: So. Yeah, I think I read that the Appalachia uh, mountain chain is technically older than any land-based animal, yeah. if, I, if I'm correct, uh, which is just like totally mind-blowing mm-hmm. to try to even like wrap your head around that. Um, one of the things we've already kind of dipped our toes into in this conversation is that like identity and place really contextualize how you engage with foraging. And um, that's a little bit different than I think a lot of the pop content in the foraging community is, where it's very much like, here are things you can forage, and it's kind of devoid of place other than, like, obviously the seasonality of it. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's really important and a complicated and a weighted thing to talk about. But I also think that it's really important because, like, when we talk about foraging, especially when we're talking about native species, that there is a lot of history and baggage that goes with picking some of these foods, and to just dismiss it in the name of like making really curated content is uh, is I think really not just dangerous but like disingenuous. You you try to work in that space and like engage in that context a lot better. Than most people so I'm curious about what made you think like I need to do this because I like foraging but also it's really important for me to highlight the heritage and the complexity of foraging where I'm foraging today
1: yeah I mean you hit the nail on the head there with the way that you describe the way that I've seen some foraging content be because to me it's not just like going out getting some food and making a video about it like for likes or follows or whatever to me like I don't know I just it's so deeply ingrained in like our heritage and there's just so much like you said history behind it you know my and my papa were going out and using this stuff and I, you know in a way it's a it's a dying art like the way of the old ways like how my mama and papa would go out and get something when they were sick and like make a tea out of it and give it to all of us and we all felt better and like Appalachia is just so steeped in that and that like strong family knowledge, handing down all this good, sustainable life information. And to me, it's like, I didn't even, I didn't have to think about it because it's like ingrained in me. So when I make a video, I just feel like that organically comes out of me without even having to think about it because it's so important to me. But I've really enjoyed seeing how people have received it and what they have to say about it because you'll get like the comments of oh my god that just unlocked a core memory of me and my papaw going out picking pokeweed and making poke salad and like you know it's just so much more than like you said just the just foraging it's like it's a story it's a feeling it's a history it's just all kinds of things so honestly like I said it's just like Flows out of me that way because I like bleed Appalachia so hard that I, I just don't even have to really consciously put that effort in. It just, it just happens.
0: Yeah, that's great. I mean, I feel like we're starting to see this transition as this, like we've kind of hit this like saturation point with foraging content in like that really clean, new speaky type way where it's like, Hey, look at this thing I found. And like, we're going to do this very curated, like cooking process of how to process it or whatever. And it's devoid of any history or place and um i i'm really it'll be really interesting to see if it kind of goes the uh, the cooking blog direction of like people telling these stories that are that have no depth to them Mm. just to like extend the content and like try to create like a sense of personhood or whatever when in reality we do already have all these stories i mean like you had said for most people in the united states The idea of foraging has always been, you know, if you go two generations back, somebody was foraging. It might not have been the staple of their diet, but somebody was foraging just a few generations back. I think we're about probably the same, you know, millennial, Gen Z, you know, where we're trying to reforge some of these relationships with the world around us. And in the process, we also have to wrestle with this really difficult history of why we did these things, why we don't do them anymore, and what it means to to come to terms with both of those sides of things, as well as like this whole colonial history as well. And, you know, how, how do we, how do we wrestle with all these different things and also just want to be more ingrained in a part of our landscape around us? That's, that's difficult. And, uh, I, I really appreciate the way you're kind of going at it. And I'm, I'm curious if that's like, if your thoughts have changed at all, as you've been building this content, getting feedback and kind of how you want to develop content further in the future.
1: You know, you're always going to have those people that come at you when you put your stuff out there on some sort of social media platform. And, you know, I would say overall, it's been more positive feedback, but I've had some people who have made me question myself sometimes, which I've since like kind of started letting that roll off my back more and my skin's got a little bit thicker because that was When I was first starting out, but you know, I feel like what people like about my content is I am like my true, gritty, genuine self, where everything else seems to be curated toward perfection. Like you were talking about, you know, these like I like how you said if it's going to go to a cooking blog, where you have to read that like bullcrap story several paragraphs <laughs> word before you get to the recipe yeah. about oh me and my husband were out taking a walk on the beach and this is a I just if anything it's just reinforced how I feel like what I'm doing is the way that I want to keep doing it I'm not changing anything for anybody to please anybody I make this content for everybody but I you know really am trying to reach out to those people in Appalachia and celebrate our roots and our history. And I want to be accepted for who we are because I think that this area gets a lot of flack. Just for example, like I do like these mushroom and workshops and I had one last night and I don't think that this person meant anything too bad by this, but they were like, after the class was over and you know, I go over like mushroom anatomy and like all this really in depth stuff. And they were like, I just want to say, like, I know that you were knowledgeable, but you're like really smart. Like the (laughs) stuff you talked about was like very intellectual. And I was like, yeah, well, I mean, you know, I don't I don't try to get on these videos and be like really pretentious and talk above anybody's head with like Latin binomials of mushrooms. Like I want it to be approachable. But you know, people are just kind of like, huh, you sound like that and you know that stuff. You talk like <laughs> that and you, you know, you're able to to rattle off these different things about mushrooms. So I just want to keep it as is. I'm gonna keep, you know, making it approachable, attainable stuff for people to do. And I'm I'm still gonna really put my focus on Appalachia, the history. A lot of the recipes that I do, I try to play on these old-timey tried-and-true Appalachian like Mammaw, Butt Guster, like Gut Buster (laughs) recipes, Butt Guster. (laughs) Yeah, I think I need to incorporate a little bit more about responsible foraging. I don't think that I touch on that enough. And some people take what I say and run with it and get a little overzealous and could potentially, you know, do some damage. So I do want to incorporate that in there a little bit more, because I think I've been lacking and it. And when I catch it, I'll try to put it in the comments. But if it's not in the video, it doesn't mean everybody's reading the comments to see what I have to say about it. So I have been trying to be a little bit more just making sure that I'm touching on that.
0: Yeah, you brought up a a bunch of things I'd love to talk about. The first I think this conversation about like, perceived intelligence, especially around accents. So I'm from New England. My parents have very thick accents, and I I worked I don't know if it was consciously or not, but I definitely worked to kind of shed some of that because of the implications of like having, you know, a specific type of accent and the work that I do as an accountant. So, I think it's really interesting to to fully engage with that identity in a way that I think you know, it is important for a number of reasons for the to break stereotypes, like what you're saying, and obviously there's this other side that we see a little bit of of like this commodification of these like very unique, I guess like caricatures of identities in, in communities. And I don't think we see it too much in terms of like the the foraging community or anything like that. But like, I think it, it it's very profitable right now to be able to leverage a unique identity, especially in a social media era where you can blow up just because you check off certain boxes mm-hmm. and make content. This this conversation about identity and contextualizing, you know, the way we're we're treating our landscape and the way we're engaging with our landscape is very difficult for a number of different reasons that we've kind of touched on already. But it, it does address or, you know, I think for a lot of people, myself, yourself, as we put ourselves out there on these platforms, there's an evolving process of engaging with the feedback that we get, just being human and our our opinions on things change, right? Where, especially once you've started doing this type of work, You spend a lot of time researching and, you know, just to verify things that you, you know, took for granted or whatever, and you'll, you know, you'll come up with new conclusions based on new evidence that you have based on new research that's happening based on a number of different things and the content that exists on social media continues to be in a way static right so your first video is still out there whether or not you're like wow that was super cringe i wish i didn't say this you know any anything like that like we're we're human we all make mistakes and we can even point it out ourselves and it's really complicated to deal with that linearity of time and evolution of opinions when you create content like this you know, I th- I think you've talked a little bit about this idea that you wish you had contributed or kind of spoke a little bit more about like scarcity and like responsible foraging. And, you know, I think something that's really interesting that seems to be gaining a lot of steam in the last six months to a year or so is this idea of like reciprocity with foraging, right? So this idea of what does it mean to not make it a consumption based process? What does it mean to Make the landscape produce more for you and the other living things in the landscape as somebody that's like doing this doing workshops on it, I'm really interested in your thoughts about like how accessible that is to people that maybe are new to foraging, how scary is it? What kind of feedback are you getting if you're talking about it? any of that kind of stuff?
1: So about the reciprocity? yes, yeah, so I have like I said, I have a workshop, and it is just strictly about mushrooming, but I really do want to do like. Just a foraging 101 type workshop, and I really want to go into like responsibility and reciprocity with that. Um, you you also made another good point when you have a social media and you start and you make these videos, you can really see like your growth and the difference and like you know your own your own improvement your own. Like I've researched the heck out of things and realized, oh, my God, that thing I did a year ago is something I'm definitely not going to ever do again. And and I've seen that. And I also think, too, that when I first started my my platform, I didn't expect to have the amount of views that I did. So I didn't take into consideration that like a lot of people might see this and get out there and want to do it, too. So I think that's why it took me a while to kind of get on board with okay, I need to include this important information because if I am influencing, in air quotes, people to get out there and do this, I need to make sure that they're not wiping out patches of ramps and they're not, you know, being greedy Gary's and like taking all the mushrooms, you know, as far as the eye can see, because if you see me getting a big haul of mushrooms on a video, then you in turn might want to like take everything just because you saw me with the big hall mushrooms. But I didn't get to tell you, you know, everything that went on behind the scenes as far as like responsible foraging. So I really do aim to include that a lot more. With the reciprocity thing, people have been started starting this conversation about, you know, if you take something, leave something. Really looking at... Like the seeds and things like that, being able to spread spores, not taking the whole plant, you know, leaving, taking only, you know, portions of the plant where it can continue to grow, things like that. And another thing, too, with like invasive species and stuff like that, um, I think I want want to really go into the importance of those as well, like how we can ethically forage, but also kind of help get rid of some of the, the bad stuff that's in the area, too. So it's a work in progress on my end, but I am trying to be more conscious about it and and include that because I think it is really important.
0: Yeah, the invasives thing is like really difficult because I do want to be a bigger consumer of invasives. But like I've tried to eat Japanese knotweed. I just don't <laughs> like it. Yeah. And like I want to because there's so much here. Yeah,
1: everybody like when you think of invasive, I feel like that's just the picture that pops in your head is that big old knotweed.
0: Oh, well, there's tons here, like tons, mm-hmm. and I'm just like I want to eat it. I just I can't. it doesn't taste good to me. I'm sorry, it just doesn't. How
1: would you try to eat it?
0: I try to like asparagus, like uh the young shoots and yeah. like frying them up basically. you gotta try the just, well, the
1: sweet root with those puppies, think of them as like a rhubarb replacement, and if you put it in desserts, okay that's that's how you eat knotweed.
0: weed i I will try that because I have so much shooting up right now. I've been like, I give some of it to my sheep which they can eat some, I think too much probably cause some issues, but they seem to have no problems with like here and there, but I've been chopping it. And like, I've been reading a lot because like, obviously there's all this talk about like, it's all, all that it needs is to drop one leaf on the ground and it'll sprout out from there. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't actually seem like the academic research is supporting that. So it actually does seem to need like an actual piece of a root to be able to spread. That's made me a little bit more comfortable with like chop and drop and like clearing it out and stuff like I still like put it on a tarp to like make sure it gets pretty fried but like I don't I'm not like paranoid about it like I may have been a couple years ago so yeah again speaking to about learning new things uh so yeah like I'm really interested in foraging I've always been really hesitant to talk with foragers on the podcast because you know I think there's this like uh, like we've kind of talked about, like you can forage and totally still not know anything and still have this really consumptive relationship with the ecosystem around us. And like, obviously it's good for your body to be eating these wild foods and so on, but without it meaning anything more than like, I feel better because I'm getting this free food or I'm getting this like healthy food. It's not really addressing a lot of the issues with our of why our landscapes are becoming so degraded and continuously, despite the fact that everyone seems to know that things are bad, you know, you don't see people doing anything on their own to clear landscapes or clear Japanese knotweed or, you know, whatever it might be where you live, that's an issue. Mm-hmm. There are some folks, but not like if you were to poll people, I think like 80, 90% of people would say, yeah, there's like ecosystem issues. And if you pulled those same people, like less than 1% are trying to do anything about it. All right. In that sense, it's really hard to justify being like, yeah, go go take advantage of the benefits of the ecosystem while continuing to not do anything. Conversely, I guess like, you could make the argument that people will care once they see all the great things that come out of it. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I don't really have a question, but I'm, I guess I'm kind of interested about your thoughts on like how do we get people to engage with the landscape in a way that's meaningful again?
1: I feel like with The platform that I have, I have been able to somewhat kickstart a little bit of that. You know, when I do things about like invasives, I get a lot of people who are interested in it. Like the other day I did um, garlic mustard and I love garlic mustard and it's an invasive and it's more season right now. So a lot of people are coming across it. It's usually like it likes kind of the same environment that a morel likes. And so people found out, you know, when I talked about it that it was invasive, they were like, I've seen this all over the place. And I didn't know what it was. And I didn't realize, you know, that it was doing this and doing that. And, you know, I've got Bubba up the hauler now pulling his garlic mustard up by the root, but also turning into a tasty treat. So, you know, with with that content, I feel like that I have been able to at least inspire a few people. But I think that like you said, you have a lot of people who are aware. But aren't necessarily acting on it. And so that's that's a million dollar question. How can we get more people out there to to engage in the landscape like that? And I, I just feel like if we continue to have these conversations like you and I are having, and then, you know, people who may have a, a decent following on social media can address these topics a little bit more, hopefully people will will see that and, and realize. You know what they can do, kind of like a call to arms type thing. I feel like if I if I got on there and was like, "Hey, this is what it is, and this is what you can do," a lot of people will will listen and hopefully will follow. But you know, I want to again. I feel like a broken record. I want to incorporate more of this stuff into the workshops that I do and the content that I do because I feel like I've gotten to the point where I'm comfortable enough after you know like this year and a half of making videos where I can now step out on my soapbox a little bit more like I've got my people I'm not worried about you know stepping on any toes anymore like I'm like I was saying thicker skin and just more comfortable and kind of speaking out about this sort of thing too so hopefully I can encourage some people to do that and other follower or other content creators can kind of get on board with that too I know they're there's a lot of foragers out there um, making videos and stuff, and I feel like they do a, a good job of addressing this stuff more so than me. And so I want to try to do a little bit better for myself with that.
0: Yeah, it's it's such a strange time to be alive where random people just hit, a, you know, algorithm for whatever reason starts pushing or, you know, likes the way you've delivered content and suddenly you're an influencer. It's, it's very strange how that's mm-hmm. like... The weight that comes with that, that was unintended or in some cases, you know, not even really justified. You're just at the right place, right time. You think about like the early early TikTok folks that like did dances to songs and have millions of followers and book deals and all sorts of crazy stuff. And then like he people that do very, put a lot of work and effort into content. And it just doesn't seem to go anywhere. Yeah. It's, it's this weird mix. And then you've got this, like, like you said, this idea that we can, because we have these quote unquote platforms that we can kind of try to direct energy of people that are interested in this content and the way they engage with it, uh, which is really powerful. And also I think a little bit scary. <laughs> and, and I think like you're talking about this idea of engaging with the ecosystem around you in a way that's meaningful and this is something you've talked about in terms of like the community that you live as well this idea of like fix where you're at with the people who are there versus getting out which is something I also heard a lot of the get out growing up and trying to to change that narrative in a way that's like no where, I, where I'm from is has a lot of really great things and if we just stop and take a breath and look around we can see this these amazing things that are here hey this is andy from the poor pearls almanac letting you know about our Burr oak acorn competition we're looking for the biggest most tannin free acorns you got with a small prize attached to both the biggest the most tannin free and the best combined with naming rights as we propagate those selections to boot For more information, visit PoorProlls.com and click on the Burr Oak competition bar. I I think on the internet, we see a lot of folks that are constantly trying to find like community, right? Like big C community, because they feel like it doesn't exist around them when it it does. And they're just maybe a little bit afraid of being vulnerable to connect with imperfect people that happen to live around them. Mm You know, I I don't know if you could talk a little bit of a little bit more about your work in that space and why that's so important to you.
1: Something that I really like to see. I recently started doing a Facebook page too, which is like a little bit different, you know, than TikTok, where it's just like spit out a video and then people can comment on the video. You know, Facebook, y'all can post like some pictures, and people seem to like do more communication via like comments. So. I've seen so many like really neat conversations play out just because like the other day I did um some pictures of things you can find in your yard to forage. Like my boyfriend was getting ready to weed eat and I was like, wait, don't do that yet. And like went out and got all kinds of <laughs> stuff. And so on that post, I saw so many people that were in a like similar area who like made plans to like get together and go out and, like, try to forage, I just thought that was so cool that, you know, these people were probably, like, had no idea who each other were, and they're, like, oh, my goodness, I'm in that area. Would you ever want to go hiking? Yes, that would be cool, blah, 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 and I was just, like, oh, god, that's just so beautiful, but I, (laughs) I really stand strong behind, like, I love where I'm from, and I really stand strong behind, like, you know, mother nature is just like this beautiful thing. And no matter where you're at, there's something to enjoy if you just get outside. And, you know, I'm really big on the community aspect of finding people who are into your weird little thing that you're doing. Like, you know, mushroom hunting has a lot of weirdos in it. We're (laughs) definitely some sort of breed that is not easy to explain. But, you know, finding those people who just have, you know, some slight interest in that and getting out there and learning together and doing all these things, it's just so neat. And I do encourage, you know, people to have those conversations in like the comments like, hey, if you're from Kentucky and you've been wanting to try this or you've been you know, wanting to do this, here's some things you can do and then people will kind of come together and and go out together and will send me pictures and I'm like, oh God, I love you. Like just so, <laughs> so cool.
0: Yeah, it's, it's really neat to have that experience. Uh, We have a discord and there's regional channels. And occasionally, they'll do like, they're like watching a movie together, like it was like watching a half hour at a time in like the discord and some people are like planning various like tree projects and stuff like that to go out together. And it's just like, it's cool to see that because of this common interest in the work you're doing that people want to take it to the next step with other folks that feel the same way Mm -hmm. and they're all at different stages of their journey of like plant id more mushroom id all these different things but together they they can engage with that content in a way that is less formal and helps to create a sense of i guess like being human, right? Mm -hmm. This like very natural, innate need for other people, despite the fact that, you know, all these memes about like, wanting to stay home on a Friday night, or, you know, whatever it might be, like, like, we do, we do really do all want to be connected at some point.
1: Yeah. And something that I've seen a lot of is people can tag or mention or whatever on TikTok, if they make a video that includes, you know, something you did, or maybe they're using a recipe. And I've seen a lot of like families, so like parents and children getting out, picking flowers, making jelly, canning together. And I just, I like to see that, you know, the young, like little kids going out and like helping their, their moms like pick these flowers and process them and can and them. Like, it's just, it's good to see keeping, you know, that, that history alive, that preservation alive, but then, you know, just getting out. And, Just being outside and not being inside and playing video games and like these kids thoroughly enjoying doing this. And that just makes my heart about dang near explode every time that I see it.
0: So I want to talk a little bit further about this idea of like, all right, you've talked about fixing where you're at with the people who are there. And obviously foraging, creating these online communities that can explore into the real world, into meat space is a a function of that, right? Where we're starting to realize like our neighbors are not bad people, scary people, that there's something worth saving here in terms of the people that exist. But how does that history of that place, you know, where you live, why is that so important to like revitalize, if that makes sense?
1: Yeah. Okay. So earlier you mentioned, you know, how... There's these memes about, I just want to stay inside, snuggled up like a little burrito with my cat all weekend. And like we, we kind of moved away from the, uh, the boom of getting out and being one with nature. And I think, especially in Appalachia, I think no matter who you are or where you're at, like someone has some sort of connection or story with some sort of like foraged thing, like memo made sassafras tea or you know, somebody used slippery on bark to do this. And my uncle, he ginseng. And I feel like that it is something that kind of connects us all because we are so heavily like rooted in the landscape and the sustainability and, you know, doing what we can with the little that we have and, and turning that into something. So I think that that rings like so loud in my area when I started to make this content and like bring, you know, a little bit of a Light on this, like Eastern Kentucky region, especially, and a lot of people have become more interested in those old ways that you know, Mama and Papa were doing. They've become more interested in the history. They've become more interested in like the flora and fauna around here and learning what they can eat and what they can use medicinally. And it's just created this really cool community in my space, at least where. It's like nothing else really matters, like politics and religion go out the window, thank God, and we just talk about getting out and like learning these, these plants, these mushrooms, what you can do with them, and it's just like this really holistic, cool experience just from start to finish you know you get to research you get to get out you get to find it you get to clean it you get to cook it you get to share it like with your friends with your family you know pass down your knowledge to someone else get them interested and it's just like it's just it never stops like there's just so much good from start to finish and a lot of people around here are interested in that and have taken that and gotten more people to to kind of come to this idea of okay this is really really neat and I've just seen it kind of grow. like I feel like foraging is having like this new boom and you see a lot more about it these days and and I do love I love to see that. But in Appalachia I think that it's it's just really important to kind of continue our ways and down those ways, teach the kids, teach your friends, teach your family. Um, it's just cool knowledge to have, useful knowledge to have. And I mean, it's just a lot of fun. Like, I mean, at least for me, I think it's (laughs) just super, super fun. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I think it does help get people to have a little bit more respect for the ecosystems around them. And I, you know, I've got to imagine in the region where you're at that I can't speak to where you live exactly because I don't know where that is. But an area that has had the repercussions of mining and so on. That still has very lax laws around environmental protections that maybe it does kind of gear some of that conversation around what it means and why it's important to be much more aware of ecosystem devastation and the, the consequences of business decisions around, mm-hmm. you know, bringing jobs in and so on. What, what does it mean to actually bring in a hundred jobs? Like, What are the actual consequences of that when you fully understand what's going to be lost?
1: it has to start somewhere. So even if I'm not like shouting through a megaphone, like how decimated some areas are due to like mining or new developments that are just like ridiculous that just like wipe out these areas. um, I think if you can at least like get a seed planted within people and you know, this this foraging can maybe, this idea of foraging can maybe do it because, you know, people want those landscapes. They want, like, to find these certain plants. They learn these certain trees that they can find certain things. And just, like, planting that seed of, you know, being conscientious about, um, you know, the importance of the environment and preserving and, you know, treating it with respect hopefully can kind of like snowball into people realizing that there's some pretty nasty stuff going on that's doing some pretty nasty things to these landscapes. And with the train derailment in Ohio, I remember I I did a video, just like some video about how you like pick different stuff and make like a bath soap or whatever. But in the end, I called out the railroad company, just like very, just like nonchalantly. And there were a lot of people who were like, didn't even know that that had happened. Like, you know, because obviously the coverage wasn't what it should have been. And, you know, just bringing to light some of those issues that, yeah, dude, this happens. Like, and it's it's allowed to happen, unfortunately. And so just bringing that kind of to the forefront in that that video, I think that that did, did some good for people to realize that these things are happening. And, you know, speaking out as much as I can about things like that. Uh, but it, it is unfortunate to see. And like, yeah, in this area, especially Eastern Kentucky, there's, there's a lot of like logging. There's a lot of mining. There's just like a lot of stuff going on that, that you hate to see just for a buck, but I hope people are aware of these things and can maybe do something to speak out or, you know, take some action in order to, to kind of slow that down. I mean, in a utopian world to stop it, but at least to, you know, have some sort of impact to, to make that not like the norm. Cause it's, that's where we're headed.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's absolutely frightening this, that things don't seem to be slowing down given like what's going on climactically on the planet that we don't seem to be learning anything. I mean, I think today, a couple days ago, a report came out about the ocean temperatures. I don't know if you happen to see it, but it was basically like scientists are so stunned at how High the temperatures mm-hmm. are they, they're like they can't even like fully use it in their data modeling because it's so much higher than they'd ever expected to see in their lifetimes. And it's like oh let's just keep cutting down forests <laughs> and you know like you know opening new oil wells. Uh, you know what could go wrong? For folks that haven't seen your work, you want to just uh, drop your TikTok handle and Instagram and I don't know if you're on any of the newer up and coming ones like Clapper or whatever. But any of those for folks to that wanna learn more about what you're doing.
1: Clapper. What the heck is clapper? <laughs> I'm so it's, like it's, out of the loop.
0: It's like TikTok for if TikTok gets banned, basically. Oh, okay. It's like this they they basically have the same exact formatting, but it's like we're gonna try to be there in case TikTok actually gets shut down in the US.
1: Okay. Yeah. Like you were saying earlier, people like just expect you to be like really tech savvy, and that's not the case. That's me. Like I'm so like not hip. Um, Anywho,
0: do you know how (laughs) do you know how impressed I am that I know what Clapper is? Like I (laughs) I've I pat myself on the back every time I get to talk about it. Well,
1: I'll applaud you for Clapper. (laughs) and enlightening me on such. But you can yeah, I'm, a, yeah. <laughs> I'm an old fogey and I've, I've just got Facebook and that's just going to be Appalachian Forager. And then on um, TikTok and Instagram, it's at Appalachian underscore Forager for both of those.
0: Awesome, Whitney, this has been a blast. I'm um, definitely looking forward to some of your content. This will come out in the summer. We're recording in the late spring. So I'm very excited to see what new content you'll have put out by then.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me and I I hope to still be going just as hard uh, come that time. So we'll see.
0: (laughs) Me too.